but we sort of quickly made the decision really that we were going to sort of review and amend our um, the way we we communicated with our residents and really look at sort of focusing on that collection with care um, reducing our reliance on enforcement action and really promote try and promote that communication with our residents and look at supporting them through what was a really difficult time you know so um, yeah it was it was a really challenging period but um, we sort of managed to really improve our relationships and 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 make a positive change uh, as far as our income collection was concerned. Just wrapped up a really interesting conversation with Gareth Sinnett, the income team leader at Bourneville Village Trust. Today we discussed some key topics from the impact of the pandemic, how this has shaped income collection to move to a more collect with care mentality, and how he supported his team throughout this with the use of grants and funding and changing processes. And also we looked at some of the key challenges facing income professionals in the future and the future of income collection, really relevant to a lot of income professionals out there. And without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to the Social Housing Podcast. My name is Stephen Lawrence. I'm joined today by Gareth Sinnett, Income Team Leader at Bourneville Village Trust. Welcome, Gareth. Would you mind just by to start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your role at Bourneville? Yeah, so um, uh, Gareth Sinnett, so I'm the income management team leader at Bourneville Village Trust. Uh, we're a social housing provider in Bourneville, which is in uh, South Birmingham. Um, we manage just under 4,000 properties uh, as, as the trust. So, so thanks for having me today. Fantastic. Delighted to have you. We've got a few topics to talk through today. So we're going to be talking about how the pandemic impacted yourself and the team, sort of talk about, you know, the transition and changes you had to make and adapt, and then talk about some different options available to support you with that and sort of the challenges coming up in the sector as well. So just to take things back, sort of wind the clock back to when the pandemic started, how did that affect your team? You know, the very sort of early days when people were remote working, courts were closed, all sorts of things were uh, taking place. Yeah, so it was um, obviously a really challenging time. There, a lot of things changed quite quickly, and certainly with income, it was uh, really difficult. We had the the court process was effectively stopped. Residents' income was uh, challenged across the board, so they obviously found it very difficult to uh, maintain rent payments, and we saw um, rent arrears increase as a result and that was across the sector really so it was a sort of double whammy you know we couldn't escalate cases and we um, we were struggling to sort of liaise with residents as well and really support them through the process so it was a really challenging time and you throw in the mix that obviously all the team were working from home um, so you didn't have that the same sort of links as you would have done normally so yeah it was it was a really challenging time really but we sort of quickly made the decision really that we were going to sort of review and amend our um, the way we we communicated with our residents and really look at sort of focusing on that collection with care um, reducing our reliance on enforcement action and really promote try and promote that communication with our residents and look at supporting them through what was a really difficult time you know so um, yeah it was 
it was a really challenging period, but um, we sort of managed to really improve our relationships and 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 make a positive change uh, as far as our income collection was concerned. Fantastic. I know a lot of income teams did struggle at the start of the pandemic without that escalation. They were seemingly, you know, calling constantly, knowing there was no sort of next step to take things to. How did you sort of support your team with the change, you know, the process change from working from home to moving away from enforcement and this collect with care that a lot of the sector has sort of been seeming to move towards? Yeah, so it, it was um, it was sort of obviously keeping in regular contact with the team and supporting them. You know, there was a, a lot of personal issues they may have been going through, obviously working from home, making sure they were um, able to, you know, provide the services that, that they wanted to. But we, as far as the our sort of processes, we we quickly sort of amended our income procedure to 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 really focus less on the enforcement action. So looking at notice followed by court application, followed by eviction application, and really focus more on communication and sort of make that pledge with the residents that if you engage with us, you know, then we will pledge to not escalate. Um, so we, we really promoted sort of informal communications um, things like WhatsApp have been a real success, keeping that communication ticking over, regular contact with residents, you know, regularly checking in with them and less reliant on the arrears letters. And we also used, we softened the language that we used in our arrears letters as well to have a more friendly approach, you know, less reliant on that sort of enforcement side of it, which can seem quite scary. I mean, the reality was um, majority of the residents were unable to pay through circumstances that wasn't their fault, you know, it was forced upon them. So it's our duty really as a social housing provider to, to make sure we can support them through that process and and sending a you know enforcement letter is not really gonna um, benefit us and it's certainly not gonna benefit the residents. So yeah, it was certainly really focusing on that um, communication and engagement with the residents. How did the residents respond? So when you moved from this change to you know, escalation and trying to build these relationships, what was the experience like for the tenants? Did they react positively? Was it an immediate impact? Absolutely, yeah. It's been a real positive experience. I think the, um, the team have certainly benefited from it and the residents have. Um, you know, we've developed a, a much better relationship, close working relationship with our residents. Um, half the battle with income, quite frankly, is, is that building that communication and trust. If you can get a resident to think, um, I'm struggling this month, I'm, I'm going to ring my landlord, then that's half the battle. You know, we can then put the support processes in place to help support them. And it's not always easy. There's not always a quick fix. But at least if you've got that relationship, you can access funding or support that's available, make sure they're yeah, receiving the support. We, I mean, we did, the, the team did a lot of work. We sort of increased our relationship with Birmingham City Council and access some of their support funds, like um, discretionary housing payments was a big help. And certainly the Homeless Prevention Fund was a was a real success. We, we, um, we made multiple applications and were able to address some of our larger arrears. We had um, uh, sort of three 
three or four cases that had over £5,000 worth of arrears, which we managed to clear in full, purely from uh, homeless prevention fund applications. And that's that's a huge change to someone's life. You know, if you've got that debt hanging over you, potential for court and eviction processes. So, so to have that extra tool and ability to make that application, clear the debt, it gives the residents a real clean slate to, to be able to start again. And again, that sort of, um, you know, increases their uh, relationship and trust with us where they can come to us with, with an issue and we've got genuine tools that we can put in place to help and support them through the process. You know, we I had um, we had one of the uh, team was working with the residents. She had over five and a half thousand pounds worth of arrears and um, young children at the property, a lot of debt, which was causing mental health issues, quite frankly. And through enabling uh, through an application to homeless prevention, we were able to clear her debt in full. Um, you know clear the court order and get her to really start again and you could um you could you could see in her physical appearance really the 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 change for positive that something like that was able to to make on her life and obviously that has a knock-on impact to our team as well where we we can offer genuine support rather than i suppose paying lip service to support having genuine tools in place where we can you know effectively clear someone's debt or reduce someone's debt substantially. So it's through what was a dark time, we've been able to find those um, real positive impacts for, for residents. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic too. You know, accessing these funds, making a huge impact on someone's life and also the income officers doing what they enjoy best, conversation, supporting and helping people. For any income managers that might be listening now, what sort of advice would you give them on locating and applying for these sorts of funds that are out there um well we we developed our own tenant support budget as well so we we um put money aside where we could help support residents with things like um white goods furniture just to help them uh throughout their tenancy if there's you know we often find that tenants manage their finances hand to mouth which which they can get through day to day. But if there's an issue such as the washing machine breaks or there's, you know, the car breaks down, something like that, then that that is a an added expense which they're unable to budget for. So we've we've got these tenant support budgets available, which we can help with that. Um, and we also launched a well winter campaign uh, last winter where we um, look to support residents further with things like food vouchers, um, fuel vouchers for people on prepayment meters, and even things like, you know, school uniforms or winter coats for the children. And that, again, gave an extra tool or, you know, a string to the bow for the for the income officers to be able to, to genuinely offer, you know, immediate support to the residents. So if a resident would ring up and say, I'm really struggling to pay the rent this month, we could almost sort of you know help them with the food bill fuel bills to allow that um extra income so they were able to manage their debts and manage their rent account better um and again that added impact it it gave the residents the knowledge that if i ring bvt and speak to the income team they're they're genuinely able to offer me some help so next time i have this problem 
I will I'll call BVT sooner and, and request that support. But certainly some of the wider support available, um, we do really make an effort to keep in contact with some of the best practice groups that income will have. You know, that shared knowledge is key to success in the in the sector, I believe. You know, and LinkedIn's a really good resource to to get on and um, and link up with other housing associations, you know, look at shared best practice. Um, it's been a real positive for us because there's there's so many sort of support funds and various different things available. It, it can be quite difficult to keep a track of. So if you can link in with some of those best practice groups, it's a real good way of um, you know keeping your finger on the pulse in the in the sector. Fantastic. I'm sure we can share a couple of um, links and groups in the description section as well. And Cletwith Care has been well. There's always been there's always has been an element of Cletwith Care. It's just really being enforced um, with lockdown and the courts closing. But where do you think the future or how can we develop it further to really sort of support tenants? Is there anything, you know, the sector or income managers can do to really push this? Well, I, I suppose from from our point of view, we, um, you know, through which I'm sure would be typical for the sector, we saw uh, an increase of rent arrears, certainly through that first year of lockdown. We managed to then have really good last sort of 12 months and be able to bring arrears down to pre-pandemic levels. And we've been able to do that through very little enforcement action. Um, there's always a small, small minority, but, but broadly that's been through the collection with care approach we've taken. So really the, the decision for me is quite straightforward. If we've been able to main, maintain performance, and develop the relationships with our residents and the communication and that trust, then I don't see why we should go back to that enforcement um, angle. Now the courts are back open once again, and I'm certainly promoting with the team that they, you know, look at that communication, build that trust, get that relationship going over just escalating through the um, arrears process. And I think, you know, that's, that will be our approach going forward, certainly if we can maintain performance anyway. Absolutely. And these sort of um, collecting with care conversations, I imagine, are a bit more time consuming than standard conversations. How have you adapted and supported the team with processes to free up the time to really have these in-depth conversations with them? Well, we um, obviously there's, there's lots of different support available. And like you said, those conversations can take longer. You're often going into someone's finances, their incomings and outgoings. So they are longer conversations, but that's time well spent. If you fall back to that enforcement side, you are looking at multiple court applications. The way the court process is, there's multiple delays presently, and historically there always were anyway. So I don't see it as though um, we're using any more time really you're just putting that groundwork in place to hopefully stop having to take that um, enforcement action in the future. So it's, you know, I don't see it either or. I think it, if you put that front end work in at the start, I think it benefits you in the long term anyway. Um, and something we've really focused on is promoting our financial inclusion team, especially looking at pre-tenancy work as well. So really focusing on application through sign up making sure residents are 
aware of their obligations as far as the rent's concerned. They understand how to manage their benefit claims, whether it be UC or housing benefit. And again, that we're asking the right questions at the right point so we can get the appropriate support in place. Um, we can access the tenant support fund, as I said, to you know help someone buy a bed or something like that so they can really focus on making sure their rent is um, up to date from day one, but we're giving them the appropriate support to make sure their tenancy is successful and sustainable. Fantastic. And how do you, how do you feel these sort of funds have helped with that relationship? So supporting people up front, because I know a lot of the time when people fall into arrears, it's quite hard to get back to, you know, just a neutral ground. So that support up front, how have you found um, you know, do you have any sort of success stories with tenants or have you noticed any improvements with supporting people up front and being able to build that relationship um, and how that sort of supported your tenant landlord relationship? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, certainly with the financial inclusion team, getting that, you know, involved at sign up, they're able to build a relationship from day one with the residents. And I think um, we're often, well, historically, as a sector, we're not necessarily brilliant at advising residents about the knowledge and skills and support that's available. It tends to be a um, almost a crisis management reactive service, whereas we've tried to really focus more on the proactive service and advertising what support we do have available at SIGNUP so that if residents do struggle, they know, well, I can speak to BVT and they can help me with X, Y, Z, whether that's, like I said, you know, support for food or fuel payments or, um, you know, furniture or just general uh, debt and benefit advice. You know, they know that they can speak to us. And again, if we can sort of get that communication from day one, get them to think, well, I'll speak to them at an early point pre-crisis, it's much easier to resolve and takes a lot less resource, time and energy um, if you can get involved at that early stage. So really sort of, you know, keep keep hammering the drum about communication and, the, and advertising, you know, really shouting what support we've got available so residents uh, clearly understand. Fantastic. And I know that a lot, of, a lot of income teams are sort of at capacity. So how did you approach that initial project to go and be proactive and reach out to a lot of people to offer the support up front? We know it'll have that benefit long term, but how did you find the time and you know organize your processes and strategy to go about this proactive approach? Yes, yeah, so we we use a lot of the financial inclusion team to get that proactive work in place, to get that involvement from day one, and they will case manage for quite a while, especially during the start of the tenancy. So they'll offer that pre-tenancy support, but then carry on that through carry that through until they're satisfied the resident is, you know, stable and able to maintain. Um, we've sort of looked at uh, the way we communicate with residents and recently have been sending out um, emails from the financial inclusion team to all of our universal credit claimants, looking at advising them of the £20 UC uplift ending, for example, making sure they've got the information, they're aware of what's happening and they know how to uh, combat that and address it. And aware again of the support that we have available and we'll use um, the financial inclusion team to really drive that proactive work and then refer back into the income team 
um, if there are, you know, rent arrears that need addressing and things like that. But really sort of, yeah, flying the flag for financial inclusion and getting them to, to, to really drive that proactive work forward. And you mentioned there the sort of end of the universal credit uplift. There's a lot of huge challenges coming up that the sector's about to face. You've got, you know, the end of the UC uplift. You've got things like national insurance going up. Um, the energy crisis, council tax is increasing. There seems like breathing space on the horizon that's starting to pick up a little bit. What would you say is the biggest challenge that the sector's about to face? Um, well, certainly, I think at the moment, it would uh, be the energy crisis. Um, we've got, you know, the UC uplift is sort of £20 a week, but that just affects universal credit claimants. The, the energy crisis effectively you know, impact on all of our residents and some of the the uh, price hikes presently are astronomical and go, going to be a real challenge once you do factor in that £20 uplift has gone, um, cost of living going up across the board. But certainly, um, quite frankly, I, I had a look at changing my tariff this week and, and it, it, was, it went up over £100 a month. I mean, that's crazy. And if you're on a, if you're on a low income, to be able to find that extra money whilst you're potentially had money removed from you via universal credit is is going to be a real, real challenge for our residents. Um, I mean, I, I haven't even dared try to uh, look at mine yet. I'm just kind of burying my head in the sand a little bit on that. Um, and I think what what can landlords do to prepare for something like this? We know the energy crisis is starting to take off and the universal credit cuts, you know, kind of impacts that. And they're both coming at the same time, furlough end. What can we do to prepare for things like the energy crisis? Is there anything we can do? Or what, you know, how are you at Bourneville Village Trust uh, preparing? We, we had our Well Winter campaign last year. We're going to relaunch it again for this Christmas, looking at really targeting food and fuel vouchers so we can issue energy vouchers to residents if they are struggling, which will, you know, help in the short term. Some of our longer term plans, we've, We've just sought funding from Energy Redress and we've uh, linked in with some local providers in South Birmingham and we're in the process of advertising for an energy advisor, which is a new role at um, Bourneville Village Trust. Um, some Someone who's going to come in, work with the housing team and identify residents who are in fuel poverty or at risk of fuel poverty, you know, looking at practical solutions. So... Um, we can visit residents, look at how they're using their heating controls, um, checking what tariff they're on, making sure you know they're um, uh, if they're having any debt problems with their provider. We can look at addressing those and looking at low cost um, solutions as well, things like energy light bulbs and you know things along those lines. So it's quite a, um, a timely appointment, to be quite frank, because we, we we were going down this road before the um, energy uh, crisis hit. But um, it's I think it's going to be really positive for us as a housing team to be able to offer that direct support to residents. And, you know, the way the energy crisis is at the moment, I think residents are really going to struggle with um, fuel poverty over this winter. So getting someone in place, hopefully we can help mitigate any of those, um, any of those issues that the residents have. And you mentioned the energy redress scheme there. It's one that I hadn't heard about until very recently. In fact, conversations with yourself, Gareth. Would you mind just giving a little bit of information about that, how people might find it, how you found um, the scheme and a little bit about, you know, their sort of background as well? 
Yeah, sure. So um, the Energy Saving Trust were uh, appointed to distribute payments for energy companies who um, may have breached rules. Um, an energy redress is a pot of money available to um, charitable providers to uh, apply to and, and look at addressing uh, fuel poverty or energy poverty um, in their area. It's uh, it's something we sort of came across. We were working with a local provider in accessing fuel vouchers. And then we came across this bid and the opportunity came up for us to make an application for an energy uh, advisor role. And we made the bid and we were successful. Um, there is a lot of funding several million pounds available in this fund um, and it's available nationally so any charitable organization can apply as long as they're using the funds to address um, you know energy poverty or energy issues in their area so it's something where we've been um, yeah we're really positive and looking forward to to how the you know how it will affect and give a, a um, positive support to our residents but I would I would certainly, if if, this, if that sounds like um, something that interests you, I would certainly advise you to have a look at the Energy Redress website and um, and investigate whether a uh, you know a bid could be made really, because certainly over the next six months it's going to be a real challenge for residents in our sector. Fantastic! I'm sure we can put a link in the description and point people in that direction as well. And so you mentioned through the Energy Redress scheme, you've had the Well Winter fund and vouchers for uh, you know, sort of you know fuel and food and now the energy advisor position what sort of benefits did you see first time around with the you know the winter fuel vouchers and how they were received by tenants and the, the experience they had with the officers providing them it, it was um the, i think it was quite a different way of working for the team to be honest to you know administer that sort of uh, financial support and that funding you know it's not something we've really done before but it was such a positive experience, you know, just the way we were able to have those conversations with residents and offer them a genuine solution rather than, you know, we'll refer you on to X, Y, Z or, um, you know, if uh, sort of amending payment plans, things like that, which are all positive and, and, and right to do. But, but we were actually able to say, well, look, we can give you a £50 fuel voucher or a £50 Aldi voucher, you know, it's 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 quite a different way of working, and and again, it really benefited our relationship with the residents. You know, they, the residents, you know, we we've had I've I've worked in income for the best part of eleven years, and I've never seen so many positive feedback comments that we've had in the last eighteen months from residents. You know, really lovely email messages that they send complimenting the team the way they've worked and how we've genuinely be able to support them. Um, and it's it's been a real positive impact. And it, although we have a, a tough winter ahead of us, to be quite frank, and beyond, but because we've managed to build that relationship, I feel that we're in as good a place as we could hope to be in order to tackle those challenges. As I said before, the um, you know half the battle is that communication with the residents, and I feel we've done as good a job as we could have done under the circumstances with that relationship. So we're in as a good a place as as uh, we'd like to be going forward. Absolutely, and that's brilliant to hear as well. You know, building those relationships and the positive feedback that you're getting as well. I imagine that must have quite an impact on the officers 
um, you know, the day-to-day -day role just sort of, you know, especially coming up to a very difficult time, having that positive reinforcement from the tenants and knowing they're doing the right thing and supporting them would be brilliant as well. With the energy advisor role, it's not one that I've really heard of before. What was the, you know, what was the plan? What are the sort of benefits that you're looking for? If there's anyone out there who might be, you know, have heard that title and be thinking about implementing it, what was your key reasons for choosing an energy advisor and what are the benefits for the tenants? Well, um, you know, we, we, we really wanted to focus on that fuel poverty. We're concerned about fuel poverty in our, um, in our area. Our properties are very nice, but they are quite old. Some of our properties are, you know, sort of nearly 100 years old. So we wanted to really make sure that we're able to support residents through energy poverty. You know, the um, fuel, fuel energy bills are, are going up and up and up, and they're becoming an increasing percentage of residents' outgoings um, and their disposable income. So we really wanted to identify and support support residents as best as possible really um you know we're going to be looking at um certainly fuel tariffs and and um clearing energy debts and things like that but just how our residents use their energy as well making sure you know they they understand their thermostatic controls and their radiators are working as they should you know they, they they understand how to heat their home appropriately even looking at their water bills and thing you know their water usage how they can reduce that um residents a lot of residents are on a um water meter now so you know looking at how they can save uh water costs so it, it it's win-win for us really you know we've been able to we receive this funding um but i think it's gonna have a, a big impact on um on residents' ability to balance their incomings and outgoings. And, and I'm really looking forward to it because I think it's quite a new way of working and um, yeah, it'll really benefit the team and um, the residents. I think, you know, we'd all be very interested to hear the impact that's had, you know, a few months down the line and, and how you get on with that position. Um, it's been brilliant talking with you today, Gareth. I think just one sort of final question from me, we've spoken about, you know, the sector reacting to the pandemic and how we had to change. Now that enforcement is back on the cards, what do you think the future of income collection looks like? Has Collect With Care proven itself? Or do you think we'll go straight back to enforcement or at least sort of a hybrid approach going forward? I think ultimately, from certainly from our point of view, we found this a real positive experience. There's been challenges. Arrears did increase to start with and there were a challenge to get them back. But we've the team have found it a really positive experience and our residents have if we my my question would be really is if we can maintain performance through this collect with care approach then why would we go back to um enforcement action you know you it's always necessary in a certain amount of cases but but there's nowhere near the levels that we were looking at issuing notices before taking court action and we've you know the team um really value this new way of working this um better working relationship we have with our residents being able to offer that genuine support um and the residents value it as well you know they feel that they've got an officer there who can who's genuinely looking to support them for through positive change and just not looking to 
escalate or get money out of them you know we're taking more of a holistic approach to their whole situation and not just focusing on the rent so it's um for me it's a win-win really and uh i certainly wouldn't want to go back to that just pure enforcement approach you know when the benefits of this collection with care approach really has for, for the whole team and more importantly our residents fantastic gareth it's been a pleasure speaking with you and thank you very much for coming on the podcast thanks for having me cheers